This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Big stories, big guests, the big picture. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge. Weekdays 1230 to 3, 770 CHQR. An interesting story this week. Uh, Canada's National Archive uh, has acquired a book that was once owned by Adolf Hitler himself. It was once a part of uh, Hitler's own personal library. It's essentially a book of statistics. It's a 1944 German language book. Uh, the translated title is Statistics, Media, and Organizations of Jewry in the United States and Canada. Now, this book was the result of work by a researcher who was um, based in the U.S. in the 1930s. Now, it, I mean, it basically is a book of statistics, but perhaps it is significant that it was owned by Adolf Hitler that was part of Hitler's personal library. The book gets into details about population figures, the number of Jews in certain Canadian cities. Also details on ethnic backgrounds, languages people speak, etc. So it is chilling to think what the Nazis might have done with that information had they been in a position, any kind of position of control over North America. Obviously, we know how World War II ended. But it is kind of a chilling insight maybe into what Hitler envisioned had the Nazis prevailed in the Second World War. So joining us to talk a bit more about uh, this book, how it came into Canada's possession now, and why it's important to highlight all of this. Very pleased to welcome to the program Michael Kent. He's a curator at Library and Archives Canada. Michael, thank you for joining us here today. Thank you for having me. All right, so how did, how did we obtain this book? So as a, as a librarian, one of the, my core tasks is, is acquisitions. And I, um, while we get a lot of book dealers who reach out to us with offers, with catalogs, I've over time realized it's important to follow many of these suppliers through their personal blogs or their private social media channels, as sometimes they acquire something special and we can get a little bit of information about that acquisition uh, before it gets into their store. That's actually what happened this time. The, the book dealer who uh, we purchased it from posted it on his private blog, and we reached out and started having a conversation about the item. What do we know about the, the history of this item? And we can talk about how Hitler came into possession of it, but what would have happened to this book at the end of, of the war and how it managed to endure all these decades? So in 1945, the American military captured Hitler's personal villa in the Alps. And when they did this, uh, many of the soldiers and many of the American dignitaries uh, took um, books from Hitler's library as war souvenirs. So it was likely uh, acquired at that time by a soldier and came to North America shortly after the war. Uh, from there, it eventually ended up in the private collection of a Holocaust survivor who had many items related to Jewish history and Holocaust memory. That collection was recently acquired by a, a reputable uh, Judaica dealer in New York City, who we have a strong relationship with. Uh, what's involved then in, in, you know, essentially proving it's it's genuine? 
How do we know that this is the book that was in, in Hitler's collection? Sure thing. I mean, there's a, there's a lot of research, um, and, and that is some, uh, we were thankful there were uh, outside experts who looked at this book at different times, even before we were aware of it. We are able to compare the book plate in this volume to other known Hitler books, such as those in the collection at Library of Congress in Washington, D.C., um, we're able to examine the, the paper, the ink, the glue, and ensure that all the physical materials are correct for the time. Uh, and, and so there, there are certain aspects to this, this book that, that indicate that this was indeed a, a book that was possessed by, by Adolf Hitler, right? There are, there are Nazi symbols, words on it? Yeah, um, and we know as a, it's an official publication. The, it's part of a confidential series that was produced by a, a known Nazi research institution. There's a note on the front cover making it clear that this is for the official use only. And, of course, the official use is that of the Nazi regime. The author who compiled this report, Heinz Kloss, um, was a noted German linguist and scholar who produced uh, many reports and did a lot of research for the Nazi regime. It is essentially a book of statistics, but what sort of statistics uh, did Kloss compile? So a lot of the statistics are very um, census-style statistics. So how many Jews lived in Canada, how many lived in the United States, but then break down by provinces and states, further then break down by cities, but also then giving information, what was the background of these Jewish individuals in Canada before they arrived in Canada? What languages did they speak? Uh, and in fact, one of the sources of information he used to compile this report was the uh, 1931 Canadian census. So, I mean, the, the value of this information from a Nazi perspective seems obvious, uh, and obviously then rather chilling. Uh, so what do we think then is the connection between what the Nazis might have envisioned had they prevailed in the Second World War and why Hitler would have this kind of information? Sure thing. And I'll, I'll just mention as an aside that we do know of um, other reports about other countries. Um, one of the more noted ones is the referred to as the, the Nazi Black Book and gives information on individuals for the planned Nazi invasion of Great Britain. Um, where this information would have been important had the Nazis won the war and taken administrative control of North America is in terms of rolling out the final solution here, they would have known needed to know what cities to go to to find Jewish people and how many Jews to expect there. And, and what comes with that, uh, quite chillingly, is how focused they were on getting everybody. So while the, the big Jewish communities at the time that we expect to see, Montreal, Toronto, Winnipeg are there, smaller communities with a handful of uh, Jews in them are mentioned, Glace Bay, Nova Scotia, Trois-de-Rivia, Quebec, Moose Jaw. Uh, it was very comprehensive in its... Uh, treatment of the Canadian Jewish community. Which is quite chilling, obviously, as I say. So, I mean, this is part of the value, I guess, in, in obtaining a book like this. I mean, it, it, it's a reminder of that evil, isn't it? Yes, and, and I would highlight, often people talk about the Holocaust as a European event, and, and what this document shows us is that it's not so much a European event, but an event that didn't have the opportunity, thanks to the work of the Allies, to spread outside of Europe. And I think about nowadays when we see uh, a rise in Holocaust denial and a decline in knowledge about the Holocaust, where we see rise in xenophobia, what a document like this does is reminds us all that 
conflicts and tragedies that seem far away do have the potential to spread to Canada. I know there's been a lot of work uh, in the months since it was acquired. It was just unveiled this week, but um, there, there was a lot of restoration that went into this. Yeah, it's, uh, it's a wartime publication, so on um, a very cheap, almost newsprint-style paper. And I think part of the reason I've been calling it often a report over a book is that, um, you know, we all have offices where reports are prepared and printed and sent around and no one's expecting them to survive long-term. Our conservators did uh, amazing work repairing tears to the paper and uh, and really doing serious repair work to the spine that has it now in a situation that it, it can be open and properly displayed and that it can be made accessible to researchers. So what is going to be done with it now? So this coming Sunday, we have uh, what's now a sold-out event in our building where it will be on display as a part of a, an event in honor of International Holocaust Memorial Day. After that event, we hope to send it to our digitization team who will digitize sections, particularly those about Canada, to be made accessible on our website. And we do hope to have future opportunities to display it and, and make it accessible, but those are, are still in planning stages. All right. Well, very interesting, Michael. Thank you so much for joining us here today. Really appreciate this. No, thank you for having me. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge, starting at 1230 on News Talk 770 Calgary.